0: sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Spacey on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: Being Speaker of the House and leaving the country when it's shut down, I don't think that's appropriate, especially, especially the Speaker thinks we shouldn't even have the State of the Union.
2: We march. Why? Because we're marching to end the human rights abuse of today, abortion. And no sacrifice is too great for that. So we
1: actually, we bought 1,000 Burger King, all America companies, Burger King, Wendy's, and McDonald's. We have Big Macs, we have Quarter Pounders with cheese, we have everything that I like that you like. And I know no matter what we did, there's nothing you can have that's
0: better than that. Right? And now, Stacy Washington.
3: Welcome, welcome, welcome to the program. Welcome home to American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk, where we are presenting you with the Christian worldview every day of the week 24 7 glorifying god with our work here and hoping to really be the the best part of your day um all day programming and unto the night the best you're going to hear anywhere thank you for being with us today Today on the program, we have fantastic guests lined up for you, Dr. Carol Swain. She's an author. She was a Vanderbilt University professor. She has an amazing story of her life, her, her life experiences, and she's written many books. We're going to talk about one of her most, actually, we're going to talk about a couple of her books, the most recent book, uh, which is actually experiencing a resurgent because it's a book that she wrote years ago where she literally, um, she prophesied what was going to happen in America as it pertains to race the rise of white supremacists and white nationalism and the differences between those things and what Americans are really looking for when they say America first. So she has such an amazing grip on exactly what was going to happen that we're now experiencing and what turnaround looks like. So we're going to talk to her. We also have uh, Senator Rand Paul uh, commenting on the Trump-Pelosi feud, which is what it's being termed in the media. Um, I think it's funny that people think that it's okay for Nancy Pelosi to get her digs into the president, but he's not supposed to respond. Um, And it's because Republicans of old have trained people in Washington, D.C. to think that they can do anything to a Republican and that Republican will never respond. And so Donald Trump's not of that mold. He's of a mold that apparently he's breaking every day that he goes forward as the president. And he does not accept smacks lightly. He's going to punch back. And I think this thing between him and Nancy Pelosi is a little more personal than maybe we can understand because the president used to be a Democrat and because he gave money to her campaigns and, you know, he used to party with Nancy Pelosi and other Democrats and they know him. And so in his mind, there's honor when you're jousting against your opponent. And in her mind, it's a catfight. It's time to scratch his eyes out. And she's really playing with an entity that she's not prepared to deal with on that level, uh, which is what I saw when I, when I posted that letter from the president uh, canceling her trip. It's just the opening salvo. It's not the last he, she's going to hear from him in controlling and setting the stage. I don't care if she is second or third in line to the president after the vice president or some nonsense like that. She's not the president. And so she's going to have to learn uh, the the order uh, of how things go. It's going to be pretty fun to watch that happen. And we're going to take your calls. All hour today, we'll be taking your calls. You can get in the call queue at 866-963-2037, 866 866-963. 963 2037. We are going to discuss how U.S. classrooms are starting to resemble arcades with all the screens and why Mitt Romney wants to be the frosted flake, the new frosted flake for the Republicans, meaning a a Democrat in Republican sweater vest. We'll see uh, what your thoughts are on this piece. Um, It's over here from American Greatness. I thought it was pretty interesting. And I have an op-ed up at the Detroit Press, and you can find it on our Facebook page. Oh, and woke America. What isn't racist? Okay. So typical Friday, we have a ton of stuff to cover and we're going to get to it all. The the interesting thing about how all of the millennials say, you know, if you don't understand like, you know, cisgender and all of those terms, or if you don't want to choose your pronouns, you're not woke. But the more woke we become, the more racist everything becomes. And the more racist everything becomes, the less the less power the word racism has. In fact, if you say to someone they're a racist, the first thing they think is, well, if I'm a racist, then everyone's a racist because most white Americans are not racist. Most of all of America are not racist. We do not have a country that is plagued by heavy racism. Now, people are rude to each other and don't treat each other well, but it is not exclusively on the basis of the color of the other person's skin. And so we're gonna discuss that with Carol Swain as well. We have a ton to get into with her. We are gonna get now into uh I got this from the Our Daily Bread. I love this five Bible verses um for trusting God. And they say in the new year, but I'm I'm really hesitant to term things doing this or that for the new year. The new year represents fresh starts and new beginnings, but we should always be goal setting. And crossing things off of our our, our prayer list, you know, hey, I've, I've prayed about this and I've consulted the Lord and here I am. We should always be doing that. We should not be waiting until the beginning of the year to say, wow, I haven't done anything with so-and-so. We should continually be in a process of working to right wrongs, make improvements, adjust, etc. But I love these scriptures because they're so encouraging. And we're going into the weekend. And so this is in your toolkit. This is, put this in your backpack to go into the weekend And as you're unplugging and refreshing and reconnecting with family, friends, your weekend hobbies, your sports, whatever it is that you love to get into on the weekend, besides the church pew, hoping you're doing that as well, I want you to think on these and kind of save them and savor them over the weekend uh, because it is is so good to go into God's word and see the amount of encouragement that comes back to us as believers. The first one is James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So you want to always be looking to draw near to God through reading and memorizing scripture, Bible study, attending church, serving, tithing, giving, um, all of those things. You want to be doing those things and actively participating in them. Because you are my helper, I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. And that is Psalm 63, 7. In Psalm 138:1, 1, it says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with all my heart. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by all the honor of your name. Another is Psalm 511 through 12. Let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them, that all who love your name may be filled with joy. For you bless the godly, O Lord. You surround them with your shield of love. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And lastly, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Okay, so that's the Daily Confession for today. So wonderful to have it. Now let's dig into something that is, um, it's almost comical. And that is, you heard a little tease for it in the beginning of the show, this idea that the Clemson uh, players, they come to the White House. And first of all, Clemson's team is not all black. The idea that it has to be racist because burgers were served and black people were there is so ludicrous. It makes you think, well, what do black people eat at barbecues and, you know, summer gatherings? Do black people not eat burgers because they're racist? The other thing that I think is really... Uh, telling about the, the anxiousness and the sense of just it's like a crazy, scary, unexplainable frothing at the mouth that occurs whenever Donald Trump does anything and a black person is present is they're searching for something. If Donald Trump is there and. Any black person is there. They're searching, looking for some indication that Donald Trump is signaling racism so that they can validate their accusations against him. They stand an accusation against the president and all of his supporters. They don't give any room for anyone to support Donald Trump and not be a racist. And so everything he does has to have a racist connotation, including him saying, I want to get American company food. You know, So food from companies that come from America, originated in America, are headquartered in America all American food to celebrate these guys. The White House is basically shut down. The government's shut down. So I don't have my regular staff here to maybe organize something fancy. And why would I? These guys are athletes. They enjoy kicking back and kind of an, and, and just, you know, letting their hair down, if if you will. And what is the president's favorite kind of food? A man who can get lobster, every single night of the week before he was president. He could eat lobster for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, king crab, you know, the the Kobe steak, the anything you can think of that is out of the price range of a regular person. He could have Ruth's Chris flown in or delivered from downtown D.C. every day of the week or Morton Steakhouse, which is really expensive and in D.C. He could have that every day for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But he's a burger and fry man. His favorite restaurant is McDonald's. And so in his mind, what is fun, What what... What signifies kicking, kicking your shoes off and hanging out with friends and enjoying yourself? A burger and fries, pizza. So he went that direction with these guys. He wanted to welcome them. He wanted to put out food that he knew they would eat, and he wanted to show them a good time. If he had served lobster and Kobe steak, then the racist accusers would have said, well, you know, President Trump is so out of touch with Americans that he served a bunch of young men in their early 20s, Lobster and Kobe steak. He couldn't even understand how these guys probably didn't want to eat that fancy food and sit at upright dinner tables with you know in seats and fancy uh, brocade covered chairs with three forks on one side and four knives and six spoons and four different kinds of water glasses. They don't. These guys don't want to sit around like that. They're not. They're not like that. These are regular guys. Can you? Can you hear? Can you hear them saying that? Because I can. In my mind, it doesn't matter what he served them, they would have found a reason. He could have said, we're doing all seafood, and they would say, well, he just obviously doesn't respect the farmers of America who raise pigs and cattle. No matter what he served, they would have found a way to connect it to racism and, and make it about something that really, it's a figment of their imagination. And I know, I, I know how it is to get stuck on something. Don't you? Have, have you ever been stuck on something, and you're like, wow, I just can't, I can't let this go. I know I'm right. And even in the face of evidence to the contrary, you're still in the back of your mind. It's chirping up. It's going, nope, nope, my eyes are telling me something different here. I don't care about this evidence. I know this isn't isn't true. We've all been there. But this kind of fanaticism and deception on the kind of level that we're seeing where it's infected all of the media, even Stephen A. Smith, and we'll hear some audio from him later, talking about this. He's usually pretty even keeled. He's usually the kind of guy that when, he, when he's talking, even if you don't agree with everything he's saying, you can have a, there's a thread of common sense that runs through that you're like, yeah, he, he gets this. Yet Stephen A. Smith said it was racist that the president served fast food to these guys. I just don't understand how it's racist when every fast food restaurant that I go to here in St. Louis, whether it's far out Burbs or inner city, black people are working there a- and black people own stock in these companies. And black people are managers in these companies. And blacks in America own franchises. I know a lady who owns like 24 McDonald's. She's black. This is ludicrous. Blacks benefit from franchise business because it enables regular people to simply put their house on the line and some savings and start on their path to building lasting familial generational wealth through hard work and entrepreneurship. It's amazing that they could connect something as basic and simple as American fast food. Remember, franchises and fast food were created right here in this country. It's our thing. We made the hot dog. We made the burger. Those are our own American creations. And black Americans are just as much a part of that experience as any other group. Now, if you're wearing the mantle of victimhood, you hear me talking, you're angry because you're like, she just doesn't understand the struggle. Yes, I do. I eat burgers. Uh, I used to work at a fast food restaurant when I was in college, and um, yeah, I'm black, so I totally get it. Uh, I'm, I'm, it's irrelevant what, what status of permanent tan you have, as, as Lonnie Poindexter likes to say. What's important is that if there's something that's going on that, let's say, a group doesn't like, like liberals, they don't like Donald Trump's presidency, why don't they pick on the policies that aren't working? Why don't they pick on the things that are going on that really... They disagree with on the policy level and stop lobbing the tired, worn out, drawn out race card at him for everything. He sneezes into a napkin. That's racist because he should have sneezed into his elbow his inner elbow. There's nothing left he can do that isn't racist. And the idea that somehow doing all of this race card tossing makes anyone woke. Another fallacy. we got to start calling these people out. This makes no sense. All right, when we get back, we're going to have Dr. Carol Swain, author and just overall brilliant human being, right after these messages. Stuck on the healthcare roller coaster? Still paying those high premiums? And strapped into huge deductibles? Not knowing what's around the next turn? Well, then let me tell you about a sound, sensible healthcare choice that really is affordable. It's Medishare, the healthcare sharing solution people like you have been trusting in for more than twenty-five years. Medishare members report saving around five hundred dollars a month on their healthcare costs, and they never pay for things they don't believe in. Time to say goodbye to that healthcare roller coaster, and say hello to Medishare.
0: Call star star three four five to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. MetaShare. Call star star 345. Message and data rates may apply. That's star star
4: 345.
5: Hi, I'm Crawford Ritz with the Legacy Moment. I went to Philadelphia College of Bible back in the Dark Ages, and in those days it was located in downtown Philadelphia. A group of us went out regularly to share the gospel with a gang that hung out not too far from the school. Several of these gang members gave their lives to Christ, and we took them to church with us i'll never forget one sunday evening on the bus with a group of bible college students and four or five of these former gang members who had given their lives to christ as we were riding along one of the students walked up to me and said i don't like this why are these people coming to church with us they don't fit in they don't look like us my heart sank now maybe he was just parenting the thoughts of others but uh, we need to watch our own arrogance and smugness As if somehow we're more acceptable to Jesus than other people are. In Acts chapter 9, one of the Christ followers by the name of Ananias had to be reminded of this. Saul, now the apostle Paul, had just been converted. Saul had quite the reputation, fearless and ruthless. God says to Ananias, take this guy in. Acts chapter 9, verses 13 through 16. Listen to these words. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how... How much evil he has done to our saints at Jerusalem. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Well, here's what I want you to remember today. A person's sinful past is not greater than the grace of God. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses all of us from all of our sins. If God is willing to accept, so should we. More
0: information about the ministry of Crawford-Loretz can be found online at livingalegacy.org. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
3: Welcome to the program. Uh, You know, you can find out more about what we're doing here at um, StacyOnTheRight.com. You can also go to our fantastic website afr.net or urbanfamilytalk.com hit the subscribe button, you know, do all that cool stuff, share some of the information that you see there and remember to go to our sites where we um, we actually we love to have you go there because of the kind of censorship that goes on on Facebook. It's nice to have you plugged in directly to our sites so that you can keep up with us. Right now it's my pleasure to welcome good friend of the show Dr. Carol Swain. She's a person of extraordinary character and she's an amazing life story. She's an author, public speaker, newspaper columnist for the Epoch Times, political commentator and the host of the Be The People podcast, which is heard on the America Out Loud talk radio network as well as Two Minutes to Think About It on Bot Radio, which we also carry here on <laughs> Urban Family Talk. So fantastic to have you join us, Dr. Swain.
6: I am so delighted to be talking with you today.
3: I am, too, because I think one of the things that we have to get out today, we, we have to get out, is the story about uh, Congressman King and how it kind of connects back. So many of these stories we're seeing in the news on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis connect back to a book that you've written. And, and you've written a lot of books, Black Faces, Black Interests, The Representation of African Americans in Congress. Um, you've written The New White Nationalism in America, Its Challenge to Integration, uh, which was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize, Debating Immigration, Abduction, How Liberalism Steals the Hearts and Minds of Our Children, Be the People, A Call to Reclaim America's Faith, and that your most recent book is Debating Immigration, the second edition, which was rela- released in August of last year. So a lot of the topics we talk about on the show intersect with your writing, award-winning writing that you've done over the past years. I'm really wanting to get, first of all, your take on Congressman King and what's happened to him as him being some kind of white supremacist or something. Well,
6: it saddens me, and I believe that the Republican Party made a mistake uh, by jumping the gun too soon because they uh, they immediately condemned what the media was saying without giving him a day to issue his own statement. And so apparently, he gave a 56-minute interview with the New York Times, and in the course of that interview, he was talking about political correctness and how certain words had become uh, offensive. And so he, you know, throughout white—he didn't understand what white nationalism, white supremacy, or white um, Western civilization— why all of those words were such a big issue, something like that. But it was clear that he was talking about the political environment that causes that calls people names when they um, to to silence them, and that sentence was taken out of context. And I think that uh, his explanation should have been out there before the Republicans took the stand.
3: And so I did, this, this is what I don't understand. So you, first of all, you've analyzed it perfectly. And I've, I've thought about this over the intervening days. I keep thinking at least to have reached out to him and said, exactly what did you say? Um, and, and the other question I have is why didn't the reporter, if he thought that the, that the congressman, a sitting congressman, was actually defending white nationalism, why didn't he ask a follow-on question? He had uh, almost an hour to do so to say. So, just to be clear, because you're on the record here, are you saying that white nationalism is something that should be defended? Are you are or, or are you just talking about terms and the way that they've morphed? I, I need more clarification on that. But apparently, that didn't happen.
6: No, it didn't happen. And you know, in a way, um, it strikes fear into the hearts of you know conservatives and moderates. And it makes it less likely that some of us will grant interviews to certain media uh, sources that we distrust. Because when you sit down in a recorded interview, and you know this, that um, you talk. And so you may have a long conversation. Well, if someone wants to make you look foolish, they can easily take a sentence out of context and uh, distort your meaning. By doing that, and the leftist media, they do it all the time. And I feel like Steve King, you know, like he is inarticulate and he is kind of, you know, crude as far as being politically incorrect at times.
7: Mm -hmm. Uh,
6: They're quoting him as saying that some of the women that walked across the border had calves as big as watermelons. There are some people that have calves as big as watermelons. (laughs) I mean, that's language. I don't know that it was racist, but it would be offensive if, if it was said about any woman that wasn't a bodybuilder.
3: It's true. I mean, it's offensive. I, I, I chuckle at it because when I, I just remember, you know, Dr. Swain, I remember when President Obama was in office and He would make a comment that was politically incorrect and everybody would start putting the memes on Twitter and Facebook of him dropping the mic. You know, he would go on late night TV and he would actually create situations where you could take a clip of his television appearance and create a meme out of it. He was so good at connecting social media to what he would do. And so no one ever got offended when he would say things we would. We would say, well, I, I don't know if that's exactly a, a good thing for him to say. The police acted stupidly and they're like, up, oh, it's a mic drop moment. You're a snowflake. You're too, you're too soft. You, Everything he says offends you. But on when the shoe is on the other foot, we have a politically incorrect president. We have a few Congress people who are politically incorrect. And while I may not agree with characterizing what women look like as illegal immigrants, I'm much more concerned with their behavior, namely entering the country illegally. It is important to me that we have a, a conversation about the substantial issues, not whether we like something that Congressman King said.
6: Well, I mean, as far as the allegation that he's a white nationalist, I I wrote a book that now people are really recognizing. Back in 2002, when I published The New White Nationalism, there were some people that said I was exaggerating, I had gotten it wrong. But in that book, I argued that there was a new kind of white leader that did not express violence or or use racial epithets, but this person, you know, was concerned about the direction of the country, felt that white people were being discriminated against, that white people needed to stand up, that white people needed to celebrate their culture and be a part of multiculturalism. And so the new kind of white leader I identified was more akin to the intellectual uh, alt-right, it was. It's not comparable to the KKK and the neo-Nazis. And I said in that book that white interest and white identity would be the next phase of identity politics in America. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're seeing. And I believe that a lot of the white people that supported uh, President Trump, especially uh, the uh, working-class whites that were former Democrats, is that, you know— the His interest in them as people, as human beings, he made them feel like he cared about people like them. And I don't think that's racist, but they connected with him uh, and they connect, you know, with leaders like Steve King because they have a grievance and they have some problems. The white mortality rate is the highest in the nation. That means more white people are dying than any other group. They're dying from suicide. Uh, drug overdoses preventable mm-hmm. types of diseases there are serious problems in the white community and I think that's a reflection of why people are leaning the way they are and saying the things they're saying
3: well it's the truth I mean uh, in fact it's gotten so bad that Democrats who uh, you know of color of of any any different hue on the left are saying well you know white people are dying off and they're mad about it well, wouldn't we be any, any group of people that sees negative numbers in you know, statistics coming about, about their, uh, about their group is going to say, oh, we need to address this. We need to do something. People are dying needlessly in, in the most advanced nation on the, on the planet. But you mentioned your book, and this was a book that you wrote years ago, that is now the things you predicted are coming to fruition. And so the question on most people's minds is Dr. Swain, what is the answer? And I, I, I believe I know what you're going to say, but we need to hear you say it now so people can take this. And this is a conversation that needs to be had around dinner tables around the country. People need to start to reorient themselves with this reality that you predicted years ago. Well,
6: you know, in that book, I felt that we were headed for a racial clash. Uh, I even said unprecedented levels of violence where if you didn't know a person of another race that you'd feel very uncomfortable. I think we're already there, and I felt that we needed to move away from identity politics and multiculturalism towards the American national identity, because I believe as Americans, we stand or fall together. And that, um, you know, when it comes to our national interest, it can't be all about one group. It can't be all about LGBT
8: or blacks
6: or immigrants has to be about the American people. And the sooner we get back to our Judeo-Christian roots, um, the, the sooner we get back to those roots and who we are as a people, the better off we will be. Otherwise, I think our nations will fall and we will kill each other.
3: And so, and and I'm, this is no exaggeration. You're not, Um. you're, you're not a, a, you know, one of those tin, fat, tin, tin hat foil people. You do, you're not, you're not trying to alarm people or needlessly stoke, uh, you know, kind of fear in people. You're talking about what's happening on a daily basis in our everyday interactions with each other. Americans who we should be trusting each other the most because we share so much together, our national identity, our heritage, everything. Instead, the racial animus that exists, and it's all made up. It's all made up out of whole cloth because individuals can be racist, but whole groups of people, you cannot assign a pathology to them. People that have never met each other don't know each other and are operating completely independent of each other. They're, they don't have a group pathology of racism assigned to them simply because of their lack of a tan or permanent tan or what have you. This this is something that is serious enough for us to say. I don't want to talk about cisgender this or that, or only blacks being impacted by this or that. I want to talk about what's happening to Americans. Is that how we should be framing this? Exactly,
6: and I can tell you that. That's the first book I wrote after I had my Christian conversion experience. And up until that time, I was always shy. I had turned down a chance to be on Good Morning America with my first book. I felt like God laid it on my heart, the urgency of the message, that he enabled me to overcome my shyness. And that's when I started doing national media. I started taking every media interview because I felt like I needed to sound an alarm. And um, and so, I mean, that's why, you know, I pu- published the book, and that's why I've been speaking about the issue, you know, ever since 2002 when the book was published. But I do believe that the race relations are worsening, and if I wanted to worsen race relations, I would do exactly what the Democrats did.
3: So let's let's talk about kind of a resolution for Congressman King as we close out here. We have a few minutes left. And I, if you're just tuning into the show, I'm talking to Dr. Carol Swain. Her website is be the people.net. I've actually posted on the Facebook page a quick way for you to get there. Just navigate over to Stacey on the right, click the link, and you'll go to be the people actually, be the people And you can find out everything you want to know about Dr. Swain, how to get her books. Um, her upcoming speaking engagements, she's all over. She's been on the Huckabee Show, ever, just all the, all the best places. And you can, you can get all of that at her website. So, Dr. Swain, you've written the book. You talked about this. You see where we're headed. The Democrats are kind of steering the ship. How do individual Americans take back our national heritage and our right to trust each other as Americans and really exist here together in the greatest place to be alive, to be black, to be a woman, to be a man, to be a homosexual? I mean, it it doesn't matter what we agree with these people. The life choices you make here in America, you're more free to make them here than anywhere else on the planet. How do we get back to dealing with each other the way we should? Well,
6: I mean, I believe that it has to come from the Christian community first because we know that God made, you know, all nations of men, and that uh, we should be united around a common set of ideals. And the secular humanism and the Marxism, that has taken us where we are today. And I believe that Americans, regardless of their political party, if you love God, if you love America, then you get back to your constitutional foundations. You get back what the Bible says, and don't allow the hatred that's preached by individuals or political parties to cause you to miss out on an opportunity to bring about unity in America. Because again, we stand or we fall together. And in my book, Be the People, A Call to Reclaim America's Faith and Promise, I talk about uh, race in that book, but also what I believe uh, America needs, and I think we need to go back to basics, and the basics involve uh, our founding document, the Declaration of Independence, uh, you know, the truth of the Ten Commandments and the Bible, Mm -hmm. uh, our our Constitution, knowing our bill of rights, fighting for everyone's speech. If we get back to basics, I think our nation will stand longer.
3: And and I totally agree. Uh, I think everyone needs to hear it. I think the books that you have written should be on the curriculum list for high school students to start to kind of reverse the Marxism. And if you're in the listening audience and you're a homeschool parent, that's my recommendation to you is to get the books by Dr. Carol Swain and let your children read them as high schoolers so that they can have these seeds of truth planted in their minds to be able to withstand the onslaught that comes when they go to these liberal universities and colleges and start to learn about being woke and all of that garbage. Uh, I want to thank you so much for joining the show today. Dr. Carol Swain, I I love talking to you and I'm hoping that we can do this again very soon. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today.
6: I would love to do that. And I have a free ebook about from Democrat to Republican a southern black woman's journey for freedom to freedom on my website.
3: Oh, perfect. So that's something free you can get and you can start with that one and then work your way through the body of work that Carol Swain has provided to us, which is it's it's a blessing for us to have your thoughts and and all of your writings for us to be able to learn from. Dr. Carol Swain, thanks for joining the show today.
6: Thank you so much.
3: Bye. All right. Talk to you again soon. All right. We are going to be back with your calls. We'll be talking to you, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Stacy on the right. Be right back.
2: I just thank God for the Holy Ghost. If you will let him, he really will teach you all things. Have you ever made an excuse to someone why you were unable to do something or why you couldn't attend a certain event instead of just being honest and telling them you just were not interested? I think many of us have. Well, that's lying. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 17 says, an honest witness tells the truth. A false witness tells lies. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 1 in one translation says, dishonesty and business disgusts." The eternal, it disgusts God. But fair dealing delights Him. False witness utters lies. Be faithful and consistent with being honest with others. Stop with the excuses and be truthful. There is freedom when our integrity and character reflects our Savior Jesus Christ. What seems little to us are big to Him. With the heart for the urban family, I'm today's urban woman, Victory McIntosh. Connect with us more at urbanfamilytalk.com. Back to the-
0: it's time for truth to be unveiled. It's time to get back to God with Pastor Dexter Sanders on Urban Family Talk. Awakening and empowering everyday people to impact the world. Discovering who we are and whose we are by the Word of God. Join Pastor D each weekday at 4 o'clock central on Urban Family Talk. And let's get I love AFR. You say it's on the radio, too? Here at
5: American Family Radio, we know that many people find their audio entertainment in other places than the radio. So our programming is available with the AFR app on Apple and Android devices, through Amazon Alexa, and now available on Roku.
0: I just love the podcasts.
5: That too. American Family Radio, streaming our podcast, now
4: available wherever you are. And we're on the radio. I'm Chad Pergram with the Speaker's Lobby. A group of Democratic members of Congress were trying to make it to Joint Base Andrews just outside Washington to talk to troops in Afghanistan. But they first had to board a U.S. Air Force bus across the street from the Capitol, accompanied by a U.S. Capitol Police escort. Every day I get in the queue. But as lawmakers went to board the bus, President Trump fired off a letter to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The President called the trip a, quote, public relations event and directed the military against flying Pelosi and other Democratic lawmakers. Members of Congress sat on the bus as a fury of phone calls rattled around Washington between Capitol security officials, the Pentagon, and the White House. The bus finally left, simply driving from the House office buildings and onto the Capitol Plaza. That's where lawmakers disembarked after a very short trip around Capitol Hill. Speaker's lobby Chad Pergram, Fox News.
0: Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk.
1: Well, look, we have never seen the level of hostility between a Speaker of the House and a President uh, that we have with Nancy Pelosi. Uh, and President Trump. I mean, Nancy Pelosi has gone out of her way to prove that she is his mortal enemy, that if she can destroy his presidency, she will, that she will not. When, when he said to her the other day, if I give you everything you want, would you at least agree over the next 30 days that we could solve the wall on the mm-hmm. southern border? She said no. So she's saying, you can give me everything I want. I'm still not giving you anything. Now, then she decides on her own, and by the way, I I dare her to put this up to a vote of the House because I think her own party will repudiate her, but she decides she's going to postpone the State of the Union, Mm -hmm. which she thinks shows she's tough. So the president comes back and says, you want tough, I'll give you tough. You're not going to go out, you're not flying a military airplane. Now I also think he had a good point. Why is she leaving the U.S. for seven days Mm -hmm. while federal employees are not being paid? Why is she not sitting in Washington, getting her job done, mm-hmm. finding a compromise? And I thought from the president's side, it was it was a home run for him to do the way he did. And send her the note that said, of course you can go commercial, but frankly, you ought to stay here and negotiate.
3: And he meant you can go commercial because she could fly to Egypt commercially, of course. She can also fly to Brussels commercially, but she cannot fly commercially into Afghanistan. Well, not the part she's going to where the troops are stationed. So... Uh, but it, it, is, it is most importantly what is important to the American people and the 800,000 federal employees who are currently working with no pay or they're furloughed and they're sitting at home without pay, which I, I recommend that you sign up. It takes about an hour to sign up for Instacart. Um, you're, if you're an AFR listener and you're furloughed right now and you're wondering what can I do to make some money and I don't want to get a whole new job, sign up for Instacart.com. You can actually deliver groceries. You can go to the grocery store and shop, put the groceries. You pay with your, the, the client's credit card. You don't spend any money of your own. You actually get into the store. They're in Aldi's. They're in all kinds of grocery stores, the local grocery stores and the national chains. You buy the groceries. You put, take the bagged groceries that the client has paid for. You drive them over to their house and they pay very well. It's well above any minimum wage, well above 15 an hour. And you can sign up for blocks of time, two hours, four hours, whatever, and make money while you're waiting for this shutdown to end. And there are other things like that that you can get into. Instacart is just one of them. But I'm, I'm sharing that because we have listeners who are good, solid Christians, conservatives, Republicans who support the president but are impacted by this furlough. And I, I my heart goes out to you. I want to see government drawn down. I want to see more federal employees working in the private sector. In other words, transitioning out of government. But if you're working there now, none of those statements make any sense to you and you just don't care. You're not getting a paycheck. You want to know what you can do to work on, you know, fixing that in the interim. Um, Obviously, you can sign up for Uber, Lyft, but the Instacart is really interesting because it has, uh, you know, the little blocks of time that you can sign up for. And I've heard it from a person who works for the company that it's great money. It's easy and uh, it, it's very flexible, so you can squeeze it in. Just do the weekends. Just it's completely up to you. Uh, so right now, I want to go to the phones and bear with me here. Fast moving show, and I still have so much to get to in this last segment here uh, of the of this hour. So let's go to Neil in Missouri. Neil, thank you for calling the show today.
9: Sure. Yeah, I was just wanting to, uh, you know, they're using this racist issue. to cover up all the other stuff that's going on, the main thing being this invasion of the country by these foreigners. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as they talk about the wall or border security, they start screaming, you're racist. Well, it has nothing to do with racism. It has everything to do with protecting our country from all these people that are pouring in here, bringing in drugs, crime, and diseases. Mm -hmm. You know, if they come in legally, they're checked for all that stuff. They do background checks when they just pour across the border without anything to restrain them. All this stuff comes in with
3: them. It's true. You, I mean, I, I, I can not only not disagree with you, I have to agree with you completely. Neil, it's about distracting away from the problem. And they know how long it takes. An open border like it is now, it shortens the amount of time between actually having a country that's populated by citizens who speak English, who care about the Constitution, to having some version of Venezuela. And none of us wants that. Even hardworking Democrats and people who love Nancy Pelosi, if they knew that that's what was coming—something like Venezuela—they would pump the brakes. Ideology does not trump feeding your kids and taking care of your family. But we're not going to see that because we can't get the truth out of the media. So people have to turn here and and you know places like American Family Radio to get the truth. And we just need more affiliates. We need more spots around the country to tell the truth. And we need you to share the show. Uh, Share this show, share AFR.net, share Urban Family Talk, so people know they have a good place to come and get the truth. Uh, John in California, thank you so much for calling the show today.
9: All right. Thank you, Stacy. You're such a blessing. I I just hope that your voice gets uh, expanded out here in California and and around this country because uh, people need to hear what you're saying, and uh, you're a truth teller and a truth speaker. Thank and you. that's what this country needs—the truth. I mean, the, we know ultimately the word of God is the truth. It is, and that's the—that's the book that uh, that's been left behind. That's not the book that anybody touts anymore. They talk about studies and all kind of uh, research that they've done, and they're searching for life beyond the stars and the planets, you know, and they're looking for life everywhere. But the most important life is right here on Earth.
7: Mm-hmm.
9: And the uh, life they
3: find in God's anybody, Word. hmm
9: That's right, and you uh, like said. The Word of God is, is powerful. It's, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, you know? And that's what people need to, to, to dissect the lies from the truth. But so true. Uh, It's not allowed, but we, we can do it ourselves. That's what I heard uh, Dr. Swain saying, that the people of faith need to unite. I mean, forget about color and all that. Who cares about that? I mean, I just want to be around people that believe in God. Me too. And, and trust God. Like like we used to be. When I was a kid, we prayed. I mean, we prayed before we everybody did. Our whole street prayed, you know. We'd get together. there was an earthquake, everybody get together and they'd pray. I live out in California. And uh, we just believed God could over, do, overturn, you know, the enemy, and he did, you know. And people prayed during World War II. My dad told me when he was a little kid, they used to pray every night that the United States and, and, and their allies could, could destroy, you know, Nazi Germany, and, mm-hmm. and we did. Mm hmm. And, uh, and the all truth. our enemies can be destroyed. Uh, all of them. Uh, all our enemies. The Bible. The Bible says that He could make our enemies into nothing. That's what the Scripture says.
3: And our nothing. footstool. He says He would put our enemies exactly. under our feet. And he, he said He'll drive right. our enemies and out before us. I mean, he, He's so clear. Or, God or says He would
9: make them. Just, it, or we would cause them to dry up, just like mm-hmm. the and just
3: blow yes. away. Yes, or destroy you know? themselves. I mean, He has so many options for us. He even says. That blessings will run us down and overtake us and that he will drive our enemies out before us and that they will only be able to hear the wailing and the gnashing of their teeth. I mean, it's it's so clear that God says, if you pray to me, I'm going to handle these things for you. So you're right. We need to get together and pray. And John, thank you so much for calling the show and for your kind words about, you know, the, the program and. I I humbly say thank you. Um, And I I just want to point out that John is talking about from his childhood, but there are people praying for this nation right now. I know in this audience we have those Annas and those strong prayer warriors, the, the leaders in the family, men of God who pray. And I just encourage you in that work, do not stop praying. Keep praying and asking God for his intervention, not just in our political sphere, although we do need it there badly, but in our nation. That shackles would be moved, removed from, from those who are captives, the, the people who are unjustly in, in, enslaved in sexual slavery and human trafficking. But uh, above all of that, that every person would come to know the truth, not just the truth politically or social issues or anything like that, but the truth of the gospel and that their eyes would be opened and that their understanding would be enlightened so that they could see what is truly going on and make a decision for themselves. Uh, Vilma, thank you so much for calling the show today. today.
8: Well, I could say detail also what this man has said, because you are such a refreshing news person instead of the evilness and the lies and deceptions that people are listening to on radios or television. But, um, I am Spanish. I was born in Guatemala, Central America, 74 years ago. But I was blessed that my papa uh, was transferred from uh, airport air aviation uh, work that he did to become the manager of daca Airlines that's no longer in New Orleans. That's the Katrina. It's in Texas. But I have a wonderful, wonderful... Wonderful life in Guatemala, but we came because of Papa working here in New Orleans. But I am also against all of these people wanting to just come in and take over this country. I worked with Spanish people helping out at a church in St. Louis, where I used to live before Katrina. Hmm. And so many of them were so happy and so thankful to be here. One of the young men, after Katrina, had told me, Sister, if I were in Mexico, they would only, the government, would only give you one pound of beans and one pound of rice, period, nothing else. He saw the love and the goodness of the people in this country, and he did not take advantage of it. But I know many of them did, and that's exactly what's happening now and we already know the Democrats are just, they're not big-hearted. They're just using this for people. And as I've heard before on your radio, if they're leaving their countries to come here and bring the same frame of mind, mm-hmm. this country will become like the one they left. So, uh, yes, we are to pray, pray, pray. And uh, I just thank you again for your show, your very outspoken, and I love the way you respect men because I know, as with this woman, Pelosi, uh, it's happening, just like the Word of God says. A woman will want to control a man. Mm,
3: okay. I feel <laughs> for
8: her husband.
3: Oh, my goodness. I so do, do I. Thank
8: you again.
3: Thank you so much, for
8: Your goodness. For your care. God bless you.
3: Thank, thank you. Thank you. God bless you too, Velma. I, <laughs> I got to tell you. Um, and, and people have said that about me. They'll hear me getting, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, worked up here on the show. And they're like, oh, I feel sorry for your husband. Don't feel anything for him. I'll, I I live for him. He, he is my first thing that I'm concerned with, my husband, uh, because I first worship God and then I care for my husband. So don't worry about him. He's well taken care of. I'm I'm constantly working on myself from the godly Christ-like perspective, because it is incumbent upon the woman in the relationship in the marriage relationship to do that work because we are the daughters of Eve and we see how that worked out. She gave Adam the apple. She started us on the road to where we are now. And the men are, uh, the, you know, obviously men have things they have to work on and they need God too, but it's the women. Um, I've, and I've learned this from a Bible study called cry of the hidden heart. And if you disagree with me or if you feel triggered about what I've just said, you you should first read that Bible study. You can get it at uh, I think it's hiddenheart.org. Um uh, but I've talked about it on the show before. If you've if you want to truly understand what God ordained with marriage and how the male and female roles intersect with the Godhead and how he has ordained marriage to be a beautiful symbol of the triune Godhead, get that book. Read it and then come at me uh, cuz we can talk. Um, I'm I'm always open to your disagreement but we have to be informed. So um, thank you so much, Velma. Uh, we have just a couple minutes left. Kathy in Oklahoma, thank you for calling the show today. Hey, Stacey. Uh,
7: long story short, um, just want to tell you a little story. Yesterday, in, I teach 10th and 11th grade English in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Um, we were having a discussion. We're getting ready for academic research. We were having a discussion about if you find something that you're passionate about, look it up, figure it out come up with an argument, present your information. We got into, uh, you know, what people believe about this and that, and somebody asked me, uh, are you a Trump supporter? Mm
4: -hmm. And I
7: said, yes, I am. He's president of the United States, (laughs) and you guys know I'm a Christian. You know that no matter what, I'm to support the elected officials. Then they said, do you need to build a wall? Do you think we need a wall? And I said, yes, it is not only constitutional, but it's biblical to protect the people of your country mm-hmm. and uh, to make sure that people in your country follow the law. And they got all mad, you know, whatever, and we started having an argument. And I said, then if you're passionate about that, go prove me wrong. Anyway, so long story <laughs> short, everybody left. And we went to um, the staff meeting that even, that afternoon, yesterday. Mm-hmm. and and uh, I became the topic of the staff meeting. Uh, and this is one of those deals where you're not named, but you know you're the one that did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and evidently some of the Mexican students, which I have never asked anybody for their papers, oh, okay? No. <laughs> I teach my class, and uh, I walk in, and it doesn't matter who you are. Anyway, told the principal that, that, uh, that uh, the teacher said this and the teacher said that, and they were offended, and they were going to go home and tell the parents mm. that they need to call up here. Well, uh, we were told as a staff that we are not allowed, that we should not express any personal opinion about anything uh. when, in fact, we celebrate Cinco de Mayo ah. in Spanish. Stand up during their flag. Stand up while they're doing their, well, we do. They don't stand up when we do our Pledge of Allegiance. Well, we, we, do have, the, we have the music Kennedy. playing,
3: and I, I'm, I hate to cut you off, but this is an example of you being courageous, just answering questions and people wanting to censor you. God bless you. We'll be praying for you and that school district. We are out of time for this hour. God bless you. Happy Friday to you. One News Now News and Information is up next.